Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name's Dan O'Rourke, and I'm thrilled to be in studio today talking music and worship music and praise music with two of my friends in studio. Eric Might, it is so good to have you back on set. Dan, good to be with you again. Oh, well, you've been on set uh, a few times, both as a guest and I believe as a, as a, ho- a co-host. Co-host, yeah, a couple yeah, times. Yeah, so, and just for, for people who haven't seen your face in a while... Uh, you are connected with Catholic Christian Outreach, is that right? Yep, Catholic Christian Outreach CCO is a national university student movement dedicated to evangelization on campus. Well, it's always great to have you on set here, Eric. Thanks so thanks so much me. for being also with us. Also, a parishioner at St. Benedict Parish. Uh, he's a parishioner that at St. Benedict Parish, and a good friend, and a friend, and brother of Nathan Myatt. Brother of Nathan Myatt, who is on every podcast, but never seen because he's exactly. the guy who does all the camera switching <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> Father James, it's good to have you today. It's today, to here be as back. Well. So we're talking music, and we've got two amazing guests joining us. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled to introduce Gabriel Wanis from uh, from Worship Now. Good to see you, Gabriel. Hey, good morning. It's so good to see you. And alongside you today, we also have Chris Nolan. How, how are you doing today, Chris? Well, I'm doing well, Dan. Good. So you Thank guys you. are both joining us from afar. Where, where are you based right now, Chris? Uh, I'm currently based in a town called Conroe, Texas, just north of Houston. Okay, great. And and Gabriel, where are you joining us from? Um, I am in Panama City, Florida. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's so good to have you guys on set today. I'm, I'm really interested to to have this conversation with you, but I really want to get to know you a little bit better. I always find when we do these these podcast episodes, getting a sense of who people are and their own personal journey can be pretty helpful. So Gabriel, why don't you give me a sense? I mean, you're the founder and CEO of Worship Now, but clearly you didn't start there. So so what was your own journey? Were you were you always Catholic? Yes, I was uh, born and raised Catholic. I uh, went to uh, Catholic school through uh, through seventh grade. Once I got into my teenage years, I got really interested in music, and I really, I, I kind of fell away from the church for a while. Um, it wasn't until it was my late teens, I was maybe 19, um, where I received a, um, a phone call uh, from a good family friend from our parish. Um, she was starting the Life Team program. She reached out to me and gave me an invitation uh, to, to help her start this Life Team program, and I'd never even heard Christian music at the time. Um, and so I, I said yes, and we began our, our ministry. And there was a, um, a conference, a Life Team conference that came up. This is about six months in uh, to this, uh, this um, of us starting Life Team at the parish. And we went to this conference, and I had been seeking and asking for the Lord um, to uh, just to reveal himself to me. And I really was... Um, was seeking him. And I just had a profound experience with the Lord in adoration um, and just saw really a vision of heaven coming down on the altar. And I was overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And um, it was an an unbelievable experience that changed my life. And that's kind of where my faith ignited. So from there, I I, I knew exactly uh, what the Lord was calling me to and why why he created me and my purpose. And um, I just had a vision of, of what he wanted for me. And it took a while to, to, to realize um, that, that vision. It, uh, I went on to, to get, get a career. and I got a career in um, information technology, computer science. I had always kept doing music on the side for the church in a small, um, small role, part-time, doing life teen masses and, and other things. We, my wife and I, I'm, we got married in 2001. We had moved to uh, Mobile, Alabama for a, um, an, if, an IT job. Um, I worked for the state. Uh, we had always wondered uh, from that experience at, at the Life Team Conference years prior, 
um, just always wondered if we were in the Lord's will and doing what um, he had planned for, uh, for my life. And she came to me one night just out of the blue and she was going to start praying by petition. Um, if I would support her in that, that we would be, we would be um, petitioning the Lord um, to, for him to reveal his will in our lives. And if we weren't in his will, uh, that he would, he would show us the way. Mm. And I, I said, absolutely. I, we have, we have to be in the Lord's will. That's what I want. And it wasn't maybe two or three weeks after that, that we, that we, that I met the the youth minister here at the parish here in Panama city. And our conversation led to uh, me doing music. And so anyway, one thing led to another and um, I interviewed for the position and here, here in Panama city and on the surface, it, it didn't seem possible that I would be able to support my family and, and take this job um, just on the surface. Um, looking back on it, it was just providential, um, the journey that my wife and I took in, in discerning this and to leave the, our career and everything we knew and our friends and the house we had just built and planned on staying you know, forever. And it was just a beautiful bonding experience for us as a couple um, but just a powerful experience of of connecting with the Lord and watching His will mm. unfold, and it was just it was it was it was an amazing experience. I love so, I love that journey. I'm going to stop it there because what I want to do is talk yeah. a little bit about how how worship now fits into that. But before I do that, I really want to get a sense of Chris. Uh, I I would love to get to know you a little bit better as well. What was your journey? Were were you a born Catholic, or did you find your way into the church later in life? What did it look like for you, Chris? Well, coincidentally, or maybe providentially, as I like to to think of it, you know, Gabriel and I share some very similar stories. Um, I was a a cradle Catholic, uh, born and raised in a very small town, uh, not too far away from you guys, um, in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont. Um, And and I I ended up, um, you know, serving as an altar boy. Um, You know, I I did various roles in, in the church. Um, I, I was very um, blessed to have a, an unbelievable pastor that really helped form me in my faith. But uh, it wasn't until I, I journeyed to the uh, university, I went to St. Michael's College uh, in Burlington with the Edmundites and decided to pursue uh, a major in music. And uh, until that point in time, I had developed a passion for music. Um, and I, I was pretty deep in my faith, but I, I wouldn't say that um, it, it was more, I think, in my, in my head and not so much in my heart. Um, I, you know, I had studied a lot and I knew a lot about my faith, but to say that I had actively lived it uh, would be a, a, quite an understatement. Um, so I, uh, I pursued a few uh, opportunities for service, and I, I ended up going on a retreat uh, with a bunch of my peers at school. And thanks to this beautiful invitation that I received from uh, Jerome Monachino, who still today is the liturgical music director at St. Michael's College, um, I, I had never really thought about using my gift of music um, in liturgy or for the service of the church. Um, so after I had journeyed uh, there at, at St. Mike's and got involved sharing my gifts at some other parishes on, on the side on the weekends, I uh, ended up moving down to uh, Massachusetts, uh, where I ended up meeting my wife uh, as well. And similar to Gabriel, um, I, I knew, especially living in the Northeast due to some of the cost of living, that it was going to be difficult to uh, sustain 
eventually a family on a, a, a musician's income. So let's further yeah, qualify so, here. <laughs> so, you know, I, I took uh, some of the other skills that I acquired while I was at, at school um, in business and uh, just kind of worked my way up the corporate ladder, I guess, if you will, in um, sales and marketing. <laughs> Um, where uh, at the end I was uh, working for a company um, in Plymouth, uh, yes, where the Pilgrims landed, and we were servicing um, the printing industry. And it, it wasn't really until maybe 13, 14 years into my journey with them um, that I, I just continued to feel like I was in this restless state. You know, as St. Augustine tells us, uh, we, we will remain restless until we rest in you. Mm. And I noticed and that that song is as, in your hymn book. Yes. Restless. That's, <laughs> yes, that's one of our favorite ones at, at St. Benedict Parish for the, at the 9 a.m. Mass. <laughs> Beautiful song by Audrey and Matt. Yeah. Yes, we, we absolutely love that song. Um, and it speaks uh, quite a bit to me because as I journeyed, you know, around actually the globe in the end uh, with a very restless heart, the one thing that seemed to bring peace to me um, <clears throat> was going to mass and worshiping. You know, I had the opportunity to travel around the world um, and visit various countries. Um, and because of the travel schedules, a lot of time I would have to leave over the weekend. Um, and it, it created a, an opportunity, although I, I missed my family greatly, as you can imagine. It just gave me a privilege and an opportunity to experience liturgy in various cultures mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Japan mm-hmm. where um, it's very difficult to even find Catholic liturgy, uh, Brazil, Poland, even China. And the one thing that I, I walked away with, it really moved and stirred my heart was just how much of an impact culture has on the liturgy. Um, that no matter where I was, you know, we had the universality of our, our Catholic faith, the readings were the same, the prayers. I might not have understood exactly everything that was going on, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, I knew we were there to worship our God and just to see the hearts being poured out um, and how authentic the worship was when it was done in the nature of their culture. Mm. So I came back from a, a trip, I think it was actually Colombia, um, and like Gabriel, um, you know, I just shared this restlessness I was having. My wife was experiencing it as well with me. She knew something was up. Um, I think she knows me better than I know myself sometimes. And um, we started to discern and pray about this as well. Um, And after I had started traveling the country, you know, I, I, again, without a realization of ever going into this full time, I started to see that, you know, down south where Gabriel and I are from, the Catholic church is is growing by leaps and bounds, as you probably know. Uh, Right now, I I think I'm in one of the largest dioceses. I'm so blessed to be here in Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, where we have upwards of 160 parishes. Um, And I now serve at a a parish that has just opened a new church, something I never thought I would be a part of. Um, But it it was during this discernment process where I really felt a calling um, I knew, too, at a retreat I had been to where I had a profound experience um, before the Blessed Sacrament in Adoration that I was called to some sort of, of ministry in the church, but I, I didn't realize it um, until about five years ago when we then journeyed um, to move our family to Texas. We packed our bags, drove the, f- the four kids down here, pulling a car behind a U-Haul, 
and started <laughs> serving in this parish here in Texas. Um, and because of the ministry here, um, it has just opened me up to this whole new um, experience <laughs> of how important culture is in the liturgy. Um, and because of that, I, I think um, it, it's just created an awareness for me that even within our own culture here in the, the U.S. and Canada, North America in general, that it plays a significant role on the way that I, I feel people can worship authentically. Mm. I, I love I love your story, Chris. And, and we have listeners that join us from, from quite literally all over the world. And I, and I think of just some of, of your testimony there, Chris, I think of you, Father James, and your experience of, of the different parishes around the world that you've been able to, to spend time at and the different cultures. And, and I've heard you tell stories of some even the different music styles that you've encountered as a result of that. Yeah, and at the same time, I have to say there is that uniquely Catholic feel to liturgy everywhere, and both in the in the rich way and the, and the the positive way, but also some of the challenges. I would say, you know, like you guys speak about, you know, you echo the the words of um, of Sacrosanctum Concilium, the, the the conciliar document on the liturgy that that called for us to mobilize so that the laity could enter into the Eucharist uh, f- with full conscious and active participation, rather than being passive spectators and i have to say that everywhere i've gone around the world too you the that element is also there the fact that there's a lot of our our people i don't think we've helped them to really enter into the worship of the eucharist to really understand what the worship of the eucharist essentially is um it's not just about you know the consecration and then you get communion uh or the homily the consecration and 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 then communion so we haven't taught people that but also even the you know the the tradition of 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 singing or praise to God, um, I, I still think that regardless of what culture you're in, except for a couple of experiences, two two exceptions, the the Caribbean, and mm-hmm. in Africa, in South Africa, I in I was in um, outside of Johannesburg last year, and in in a parish in Soweto, and I have to say it was the most immersive experience of worship I've ever experienced in my life. The whole church just boomed and mobilized, and it was unbelievable. Uh, so with a few exceptions like that, there still is in many places this kind of passivity when it comes to worship. But I think it, in many ways, it's it's very much very much a cultural thing. You know, like the, the, the African and the, and the people in the Caribbean, they don't have the cultural baggage that we do, this fear of, of, of emotive worship. You know? mm. I love that music uh, was both uh, was, was a key point, part of your faith journey, not just the ministry you're in now, but it was an element of, of what got you there and the invitation that both from the Holy Spirit and people around you and the way that, that pulled you in. I, I love that that's part of it. So worship now, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, Father James stole it from me. I'm going to reach over here and grab it back. Uh, the worship now hymnal. I, what, why, where did this come from? Tell me about this. What is this and what, what, what drove it to, to exist? Sure. Um, um, so we, we left everything and we, we came to Panama city. Um, and this is kind of where worship now, um, was birthed from this experience of doing full-time ministry. I had a parish, uh, for the first time and, um, I arrived at the parish and it was in, it was in financial trouble. Um, which is one of the reasons why they wanted fresh music, um, a music ministry to start. Um, they had brought in a new priest to try to help the situation. Uh, there's a, there's a school attached to, to our parish as well. And the numbers were, were dwindling. So I came in 
from my experience, I experienced something similar to what um, Father James is speaking of, just that disconnect when you when you come to mass and it's almost like you're, you're in my experience and, and, and other experiences that I've heard, it's almost like an obligation that we're, we're going, we have to go to mass every week and we're just not, we're not seeing the heavenly beauty and experiencing mm. uh, the Lord in a, in a real authentic way uh, because our hearts are not predisposed and they're not ready. And so I, because of my experience with, uh, with this modern music, um, I have just seen, I've seen the, the power this music can have on people's worship, on their, um, on their faith, um, their engagement at mass. I've seen this music change lives. And so I came into this parish and I wanted to, to liven up the music. So, but while also respecting the tradition uh, that this parish had um, with the traditional music of the church, which I highly respect and love that music. But I just, so I came in and, and decided, I spoke to the pastor about it, and we just ended up doing a blended worship at all the masses um, and just wanted a uniform experience for our community. And so we do about half modern music and half traditional music. And um, so the challenge was, is that, or yeah, it was and still is, um, except for um, our, our worship now ministry now, which is we're, we're trying to help, is there just isn't any resources out there for music directors to implement this music at mass without um, jumping through hoops and trying to figure it all out. And plus, there's a lot of this music that, you know, shouldn't be played at mass. So um, so anyway, I was finding myself, uh, we couldn't do projection at the church. So I was printing song sheets every week. I was going online and trying to find all the music. Mm. Uh, we had a traditional choir, so I needed SATB, and that's kind of that is hard to find as well. So, um, I I was at daily mass one morning, and it was right after communion. And I was praying, and a light bulb just went off. It was the Holy Spirit, and we're just going to create our own book here at St. John. And so we, I went to the <laughs> I went to the priest right after mass and and told him and asked him if I could just create our own songbook, our own hymnal, and he said, go for it. So it took about three or four months to put together the first Worship Now hymnal um, at our parish. And and that's kind of where uh, this all started. <clears throat> so for a few years, uh, we used the book, and um, finally, um, we I just went to, we had a new priest at this point, and went to the new priest, and I uh, just asked him, I said, Father, we've had so much positive response about our worship now book um i want to i want to take it and let other parishes um enjoy the same um resource so we so so we we um he blessed it and we that's kind of how this whole thing kind of started yeah we're, we're laughing over here a little bit because i mean i'm sure so many music ministry leads can relate to this experience in fact when i first started doing music at mass it was with father james years ago one summer and I can totally relate to the song sheets. Every week you're printing out, trying to fit everything on. Uh, it takes a lot of yeah. work to, to introduce uh, a song that you hope will engage people uh, further right. in the mass, help them enter into worship, help them not just sing, but but pray here. Yes, yeah, to pray through the songs. And that's one of the things, this collection of songs is, um, they are, while some of our traditional music um, is, you know, the, the, the words, it's very detailed and it's 
Um, and it's amazing. And it speaks about the glory and, 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 and awesome uh, power of God and, 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 and our faith in general. Um, but some of these, these modern songs really, really um, draw a prayer from the heart. They, they seem mm-hmm. to be an extension of our prayer. And the melodies are very, they're very engaging. They're inspirational and, and they're very singable, um, accessible to the average person who comes to mass once a week. Um, you need music that they can pick up on quickly. Mm-hmm. And so they're not a spectator, you know, so it engages them. It inspires them. Uh, the, the words are also scripturally based. So um, it, it brings uh, the word of God to life. It enhances the, our worship. And we just had um, an amazing spe- experience um, with this music. And, um, and so uh, I thought we thought it was important and we had to do it, but we did get all of these songs or have been approved through the church. So it also gives that comfort level to musicians who are, who are going out there on the internet or are just trying to find music or they hear a song on the radio. They're going to know that, that the songs um, that we are, you know, that we are recommending have been approved by the church and they're okay to play it. Mass. I, th- I think as well, one of, one of the things that we speak about in through divine renovation ministry with music is, you know, we talk about quality, we talk about diversity and the primacy to the hymn of praise, you know, if, if the if the if the Book of Psalms is our is our model, it models many ways to sing about God. There's there's declaration, there's confession, there's there's <clears throat> exhortation, there's there's all different voices. Um, and even when we're speaking to God, we could, we can sing petitions to God. But all of those, I think, are are have their own place. But then there's psalms and hymns that simply sing praise to God. Yes. And they're in an entirely different category because I, I think one of the reasons why so many people don't sing, I mean, I think, you know, like, you know, inviting people to come and sing in the forest and dance to the with the trees, like, no thank you. Like, who cares? Like, like no. Um, like, this is, this is mush. You live till you've done that. But when, when we actually enter into the praise of God... God, as it says in, in Romans 8, you know, God's spirit speaks to our spirit and we cry, Abba, Father. That's when there's there's a deep, deep, profound connection that can happen. And let's be honest, like God could, God can work anywhere and any time. But we found that that whatever the style, traditional or, or contemporary, when you praise God, I mean, pipe organ and... And praise God to whom all blessings throw, or holy God, we praise thy name. I mean, it makes the, the hair in the back of your neck stand on end. It's like you, there's something unique. And I've seen so many times at, at communion time, instead of singing about the Eucharist, you know, eat the bread, drink the cup, eat the bread, drink the cup, it drives me nuts. Like, let's talk. To, the Eucharist is a person. It's Jesus. Let's talk. Let's sing to him. And when we do that, I've seen people coming to communion with tears flowing down their face, like the Lord moves. So I think you guys are absolutely onto something. I'm very grateful for what you're doing. I'm curious, how did you guys connect? Well, that's quite an interesting story. Um, so as Gabriel had mentioned uh, earlier, being that he's in Panama City on the beach there, he gets lots of visitors. And uh, I happen to have uh, one of my dear friends, uh, Mary Otto, who's in one of my choirs. She traveled up to a Panama City Beach for a vacation, and um, praise be to God, she decided to go to Mass at St. John the Evangelist. She came back 
um, a few days later and called me up and said, Chris, Chris, we, we, we've got to do this song. I just went to one of the most beautiful masses that I've ever attended um, while I was on vacation. Um, this song's in a, a, a hymnal called Worship Now. Um, and she's in, in our traditional choir and she um, she's a, a beautiful singer and has done so many great things for our parish. So I, I take uh, her word very seriously. Uh, but when she had mentioned this song, I was actually very familiar with it because I had been using it at my own modern worship services. Um, but then when she mentioned that it was in a hymnal in a Catholic church, um, I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> so I, I, I had to investigate this thing. Um, I, I just couldn't, again, that restless heart of mine, I had to explore this. So um, you know, I couldn't find anything about it online. I called friends. So I, I finally just picked up the phone and called St. John the Evangelist and found out that uh, Gabriel was the director there. We began some dialogue um, and just had this profound conversation about some of our concerns, you know, for the church, not only the here and now, but also, uh, you know, the future, which I think is something we're going to talk about in a later episode. Um, but as we were just having dialogue, because I, I ran through similar experiences now, being that I'm in a, a fairly new church um, and uh, my, my pastor um, uh, thinks very highly of you, Father James, too. We've attended a few amazing parish conferences um, and uh, he's, a, he's a very progressive and forward thinker. And when we built our new church, we put in projection. Um, so I didn't have um, maybe the, the concerns Gabriel did, obviously, to help with participation because we were projecting lyrics. But um, as a music director, um, like uh, Eric had, uh, had attested to, it was quite a bit of work to be able to kind of congregate all of these resources um, for the musicians. Now, when I arrived in my parish, we did have a, a life team mass, um, but uh, they had been serving in our parish and did a phenomenal job for uh, about 15 years. Um, but Father wanted to kind of freshen up some of the music, so I, I, I got involved. And throughout this journey, you know, I, I just felt that there there weren't a lot of songs in some of the current uh, hymnals that were speaking to a, a lot of the younger population in mm -hmm. our parish. So, um, you know, one thing that I, I spent some time on, in, on and with is, um, you know, meeting with parishioners just to get some feedback and, and see, you know, what we could do to better serve them. Um, I feel like uh, as a role as a music director, you know, it, it, it is our first duty to serve them as Gabriel ha had done as well, too, when he first stepped in there. And we asked and the response was that they did want some more modern music. So we started to introduce some of these um, similar hymns that Gabriel was, was doing at his parish. And as we were discussing, um, you know, we thought, well, let's kind of collaborate a little bit and share some of our repertoire. And thanks be to God that the USCCB uh, reviewed the hymnal, confirmed it, and His Excellen Excellency Bishop William Walk uh, gave us uh, imprimatur last September. So we're just so excited and are, are trying to share this beautiful resource that God has blessed us with and his church to help kind of glorify him better, um, mm. but ultimately create the disciples that we're called to be and to help save souls and bring more people to the Eucharist. I love the way you, you, you closed on that, Chris. And so look, the, the time has absolutely flown in this conversation. Uh, so Chris and Gabriel from Worship Now, uh, God bless you for all you're doing. This conversation is not over. It can't be over because if you've been joining us this far, you know how important this is. You know how important it is. And so, so 
I, I just encourage us to keep this conversation open. And if you're at your parish considering what music ought to be, what it could be, continue to journey alongside Divine Renovation. Check out Worship Now and stay tuned for a glimpse of what we'll be talking about next week. God bless. Thanks for listening. The book Divine Renovation by Father James Mallon is why this ministry exists. It has been translated into many different languages and read all over the world. To purchase your copy, follow the link in the description below. Next week on the podcast. There's a lot that goes into selecting songs for the liturgy. It's not something that should be taken lightly. It needs to speak truth. It needs to be true to our Catholic faith. Nothing gets people more amped up at Mass than to be singing songs of praise. Just a natural extension of our prayer that we can join in together.